We have uh, somebody very fun and special in the uh, studio today. Special is special. the word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, Mark. I'm Rich. And we are Two, two guys, guys on Block, Block Island. Island. And now we're three guys, because Hank's here, too. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that breeze, it's blowing in off the sea. Uh-huh. Very special guest. <laughs> yes, yes. And he's only out for 12 hours, and then we have to put him back, so... Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The warden wanted him back before sunset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, game, the fishing game warden. <laughs> yeah, for the good of the community. <laughs> Actually, I got a boat to paint. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, with our good friend, Captain Hank Hewitt from Block Island Fishworks. He's the uh, guy that does our fishing report for us, and uh, he's just so awesome that we had to have a, a formal sit-down with him and just really go deep with this dude. We need to hear about it, so uh, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> well done, Hank. Thanks. Nice. Thanks for being on the show. Right. Have a great week. Have yeah. a great day, guys. <laughs> So where do we want to start? Um, start with, tell us a little bit about how you got, how did you get to Block Island? Oh, it's a long tail. Um, <laughs> so basically, I think the best way to begin is, which will answer a lot of questions, is for like 13 years before I came to the island, I was a professional, or a professional portrait photographer. So I worked in a portrait studio. Okay, and, I, and the main, I mean, when I, there was, this was in my 30s. And back then, I was probably the best 30-year-old bubble blower you would ever meet because I would be entertaining the children. There's two for family portraits and stuff. My mainstay was photographing the high school senior graduation portraits. And so what happened was... For about 13 years, I would work from July 4th to Labor Day, six days a week. I would speed. My first senior would come in the studio at nine o'clock in the morning, and I would be locking up the studio right after sunset, probably like at eight o'clock, you know, as the, as the days provided because we had an outside studio. So with the straw that broke the camel's back in that was I was running, working my stones off. I would be bringing in about $550,000 gross and I was seeing about 38,000 of it at the end of at the end of the year. And I'm like, "You know what? If I'm going to have to work this hard for that for that money when I'm when all that's coming in, I'm going to go fishing and I might as well be poor." So, what I did is <clears throat> I left the studio and I had been surf casting and traveling down now i'm from i'm from scranton pennsylvania so this was a studio outside of scranton pennsylvania so i was traveling down to island beach state park central jersey because my uncle lives in tom's river just outside of there i had a beach buggy and i would go surf casting and then there was islands in the barnegat bay which is behind the barrier island down there because island beach state park is just about a mile or two south of Seaside Heights, where Jersey Shore was filmed. Oh, I, I know the area well. My grandparents lived in South Towns River for a while. So. Oh, so yeah. So right off 37 down there. So I would drive from Scranton, Pennsylvania, like outside of my hardcore season with photography. I would, be, I would be off on Sundays and Mondays. So Saturday, as soon as I was done with work in the studio, I would jump in my Mitsubishi Montero Sport. And I would drive straight down to Island Beach State Park, air my tires down, live on the beach and surf cast for the whole weekend. And I had gotten 
kayaks. Was, and, was that legal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because okay. you got a beach buggy permit. Oh, yeah, no. nice. So I had the permit to and go out let there. Me, hang on. Let me back up. How did you get into photography? I'm sorry. I don't mean to, but I'm curious. Because, well, the be all and end all of my existence, my whole life has been fishing. My dad took me on my first opening day of trout season to a plunge pool at the base of an old tanning village in Northeast Pennsylvania, town of Bethany in Wayne County in Pennsylvania. And it's there, I say, at five years old, I'm scaling down this cliffside with this huge, to me, the, the waterfall was bigger than Niagara Falls. I mean, five years old, coming down. Opening day of trout season starts at eight o'clock. I get there five o'clock. And uh, that's where I say, you know, I fell into the stream of consciousness, just went with the flow and never got out of it. So the be all and end all of my existence has always been to catch fish. Now, now hang on just one second. Um, contestant you know contestant number one, could you repeat the question? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so how did you get into photography? So, 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 the, so everything it's like I've... herding kittens. <laughs> so I got into photography because when I went to college, see, I, when I went to college, I originally went for biology because I wanted to do benthic macroinvertebrate surveys in a lotic water environment because that's a water quality test. So basically go into, I wanted to, I wanted to go into trout streams, turn over rocks, collect insects, do dissolved oxygen test, titrate for pH, and then be able to say, you know, by the presence of certain insects. So I couldn't do that because I suck at numbers. And so, and, and probably reading. So both, both words and no, then a good, Y. No, I used to read the dictionary in college on the toilet. So I've read the dictionary cover to cover three times. Okay. So right. I can't do numbers. I got to have words. Right. But at any rate, so I got into photography because I want, I couldn't pass calculus. So I had the camera and because I wanted to be a, an envi a nature photographer. What kind of camera do you have? Um, my first camera that I bought with my graduation money from high school was a Pentax K1000. Okay. And so it was a, it was a, a very bare bones DSLR. And I taught myself the, the foundation of photography from reading books ground up. So what I wanted to do then was become a nature photographer. Okay. okay. So everything I've ever done in my life somehow relates to fishing. So even the photography was an off. It was a, a means to an end to like be around right. nature and fish. And so, gotcha. and, and so then all of a sudden photography, I had, I, I understood the numbers of because it was practical. So I didn't necessarily, like, I can tell you what the f-stop on a camera means as a, as a ratio to the lens, what have you there. But what happened was, all, like, I'm, like, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm, I'm kind of introverted and I, like, I don't talk very much. Well, we were, we were hoping to get you out of the shell a little <laughs> yeah, bit. That's, this, actually, but so yeah. that, that's the main thing. I'm like, let's get him out of that, you know, yeah. room. He's always in there by himself. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, in, so in doing the, the, getting into photography, the, the personality aspect came through. And so with professional photography and portrait photography primarily, it's like... $50 worth of photography, $500 worth of show. And when you put somebody in front of the camera, a lot of, like, especially with women, you know, they would rather have a root canal than sit in front of the camera and have to look at themselves. Can he say that? Uh, he can say whatever he wants. Oh, well, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm <laughs> no, telling you know, from the front lines, brother. <laughs> We're not telling you to watch out because of the way things oh, are these yeah, well, days. You know, yeah, well, whatever. I mean, I mean, and it happens with some guys, too. Yes. But yeah. the guys just say it's gay. You know, when I was photographing the high school, high school kids, the first thing I heard from the guys, like, I had to convince them that what we're doing here is not gay, dude. 
You know, this is this is pretty damn cool if you think about it. I'm going to push a button on the camera. I'm going to tell your story in one picture. Yeah. And you I know? mean, look, let's face it, most kids those that age, you know, it's a it's an insecurity thing oh, anyway. Yeah, and, you know yeah. what I mean? It has nothing and, to do with it. And guys didn't want to be bothered. And right. girl and, and girls have I mean, just just with the nature of our our culture and society, oh, I, I, I think in high they school they see things that aren't there. Yeah, in high school, the kids that loved to be in front of the camera, they were the weird ones. You know, yeah. they they were the ones you'd you know, you kind of didn't want to hang out with, like right. you know, what's up with you? And but yeah, I, 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 you'd have that a lot, you know. But the thing was, is where I excelled with with the photographic aspect is my self-effacing humor. So ah. you see, so when you know, and I've always been very comfortable knowing what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are, and so I will tell you where I suck. You know, I will show, I, I will tell, I, I'll, I'll break my own stones. I know, I know my eccentricities and I can, I, so, so to, to be, I was successful and able to, to excel there because I would be able to break down their self-conscious because I would be able to, I was just front and center. You yeah. know? I so, mean, like I, right. I would tell guys, I'm like, guys would be like, some of them would be like, I, I think I don't like the way this pose feels or something like that. I, and, or it's like, I don't like this about me or girls just say, I don't like that about that. I'm like, you know what? I've been born with the most fabulous man boobs and Ariel is the size of 50 cent pieces. So you think you got it bad? <laughs> yeah. oh I was saying something like, you know, you you saying you're fat is insulting me. <laughs> yeah, my you petiteness, know. you know? Yeah, you know what are you saying, you know? So basically, you would you would disarm these, you know, uh, quote unquote, for lack of a better word, tough guys or guys who are like putting on this, you know, you know, oh, I'm too cool for this yeah, by exactly. just being like, no, you're not because I'm not that cool. So, so that, here right. you go. You know, and you used your man boobs to take the gay out of photography. <laughs> I, just make sure I, got that. I heard, you know, I, I think Ansel Adams did that as well. OK. Right. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, he did a lot. Yeah, with his with his man boobs. Well, if it works, it works. All right, whatever you know, works. Whatever makes the kids comfortable. Totally. You know. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I mean, you, you had. I mean, yeah, you had to do what you had to do, and and, and so. So you became like a, a de facto little like child psychologist in a sense in certain. And later on in the story, you'll see how that benefited me. Okay, yeah. I'm going to shut up. And let's oh no, no, no it's, but it's very relevant. It's very relevant to gotcha. to how I got a foothold out here. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm down. I like so, so now, back at the ranch, um, I left the photography to go have a kayak fishing guide service on the Susquehanna River, where we did multi-night expeditionary trips, where we would take a group of people, load them into a kayak with enough um, uh, uh, enough provisions and the fishing stuff. So I would do the I would do the fishing, and the guy I would work with what I was working with at the time would do uh, the logistics of the the packing, the stuff, and 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 work it out through the booking. So I was the fishing guy, and and primarily the fly fishing guy. So we would go and we would launch at one spot and on the Susquehanna River in Wyoming County, and we would on our first night we would make camp on an island. The next day we would make camp on another island, and then the third day we would we would pull out okay of the river. When so, in doubt, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so in doing that, we were well ahead of the kayak fishing curve of 
at hitting fresh water. It was very popular in salt water, but nobody was really doing it in fresh water. So because of, I would I would think it would be the other way around. Now the backwaters down in Florida, the kayak the sit on top kayaks yeah. first started with scuba diving. Oh. So you would be able you would take a little a uh, uh, little anchor and they they call the the well in the back for storage from the fishing kayak a well ta- or a, yeah well ta- or tank well tank well because that's where you would put your scuba tank. So it's that the sit-on-tops of kayaks that are roto-molded got their start in salt water because you could tip them over and you can get back on them. Whereas a sit-on-top kayak, you have got water in it, you're done. I mean, you got to go through a big process. So down, down, in the, down in the south, you know, like Carolinas, Florida, kayak fishing was huge. And then it started catching on in the salt water in Jersey and up into New England. And, but it, what didn't hit the fresh water. So what we were doing was unique to 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 this industry because we were in this loaded this river with the kayaks doing multi night stuff fishing from it especially fly fishing so we started doing the fishing shows in the winter so you had Philadelphia you had Suffern New York and then Somerset New Jersey and these were outdoor shows. And so in going to these shows, we were also doing seminars. So I would go in and speak at the seminars. In doing that, we did that two years in a row. And in doing that, I met um, the, uh, the guy who brought me out here. Okay. Something to keep in mind, too, with is because of my photography and having done photography, I was also dialed into the groundwork of social media marketing and search engine optimization and writing for that. So part of my sales point of coming out or part of the, the what, what got me out here is that I was able to build market the business by taking pictures and then using utilizing Facebook pumping out the the social media aspect as well <clears throat> i learned early in in with google how to write for search engine optimization so i would keep blogs and you write special way to optimize search engine because you use keywords but you can't just say kayak fishing kayak fishing freshwater f- kayak fishing you got to say so when i'm fishing in the freshwater in the kayak and so, so i brought a multiple aspect or I was recruited for multiple aspects to come out here. So that's, that's, how, that's how photography is very critical to how I got here. Because if I didn't have the camera and I wasn't on the ground floor, then two, now this is 2011, keep in mind, when I came out. Right. We started, I started uh, with about 97 going down to Jersey to kayak, to, to, to surfish and that. And then it was probably about 2009 that we launched the kayak fishing aspect. And then when I came out here in 2011, Facebook, no, nobody had Facebook in 2011 out here. None of the businesses. So at any, so going, going back, I was doing one of these shows and the person who brought me out started to try to court both myself and the other guy. Now the other guy in the business, he wound up just becoming an insufferable prick. Okay. I mean, just, I mean, you know, sometimes the people get so wrapped up in business and, and I've run across a lot of narcissists in my day. Oh yeah. They're out there. Okay. And and so it it was just like, then I was presented the opportunity Come out, you're going to stay at this this bed and breakfast, and you can be the mate on my boat. And who was it that brought you out here? Um, 
throughout the course of my life, I've learned to take the high road. When I can't say anything nice, I don't say anything at all. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so this is the guy that was a prick that we're talking no, about. No, no, no. Well, the, the guy that brought me out was an insufferable narcissist. I'm when sorry, that's When we're guy. off the record, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you their name. Okay, yeah. It's just, I, it, it's, 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 I just don't want to say anything negative. Like, I don't want to bring any wait, person let, negatively in there. And let me clear this up. You're okay with saying the negative stuff, just not telling us who it's about. Exactly. Okay. Right. Sounds, I, I just, you know, yeah, I mean, right. there, and I will only touch on the negative stuff when it impacts my decisions. Understood. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, you're also yeah. fine talking about your man boobs, too. So that's, you know. Oh, I, oh yeah. I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There's credibility there. There's one thing Rich and I really appreciate it's honesty. And if you would put your shirt back on, that's yeah, the other thing. If you could, <laughs> as, as beautiful as your man boobs are. Yeah. I'm a sexy you know, man. I'll have a little It's warm in here, but, you know. I, I, stand, could, I, stand you know. At, I stand at the base of the bed with my girlfriend and I. And I just rub my nipples and I'm like, I'm oh, your sexy boy. It's oh all boy. yours. Oh I mean, you're going yeah. down that path. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do realize we don't have a video component to this, so no one can actually you know, see your man boobs right now. No, that might good. actually it's be good. even worse. <laughs> when you do listen, we love you, Sam. Yes, we love you. Yeah. Sam is uh, his better half yeah. or <laughs> other half. Um, no, definitely the yeah, definitely the smart one. Okay, there we <laughs> go. Well, get more practical. <laughs> <laughs> don't dig a hole there. Get back to Block Island. <laughs> Where, so, so, so at any rate, I was like, I was forming up now this guy who brought me out. Okay. Who shall remain nameless. Uh, only just, I, Fair enough. I, I just don't Understood. want to drag it. I mean, not, I'm telling you the truth. I just don't want to, he gonna, did his, he's not here anymore and there's a reason for it. We're going to call him narcissist Nick. Uh, fake yeah. name. And, fake and, name. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> at any rate. I had no due diligence on this. He was he was he he was a shyster, and he took, he built people for a lot of money with plans, and they just he never he got the money, he just never turned around on it. Uh, so, one of those kind of guys, right? So I mean, there was one guy. He was he had a plug, he had a lure, a trolling lure business. Got this guy to buy in. He subsidized them with all the materials, and then I was brought in to photograph that product and also be put on the boat to help promote the product working. So I, so again, that's where photography is critical to my getting a foot coming out here because I wasn't necessarily brought out to mate on his boat. I was brought out for the social media aspect and the free photography. I wonder okay. if his name rhymes with rave. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. You know, Sorry. Yeah, you oh. know, let's, let's, I have let's, no idea who you're talking about. Uh, but I, uh, you know, let's just say I that's will. how I found my island. Home. That, you know what? The, then you have to have a, there's at least a thank you there. You, you well, know you, know, the, you know, one thing I've learned in my life is that, that people, even though they seem like they're the scum of the earth, they they can teach you how to be by showing you how not to be. Absolutely. Totally. It's a great, great you way know, to look and, at and, and sometimes, sometimes That's why it's... I hang out with Rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, not doing that. <laughs> but, it, but it also forces you to check your own reality because you see somebody like, like seeing this, it's like this guy would come down to, it was a bread and, bre- a bed and breakfast I was brought into and he would come down in the morning pumped up in the chest and it's, I'm great because I caught this and I, it was like captain of, captain of a cruise ship, you know? And, and I'm sitting there looking at him like, it's critically important to me that I maintain my humility. And this guy had no humility. I mean, he made Trump look like, like he was the most humble man on the planet. Right. Wait, he's not? Um, not that, no, uh-huh. just kidding. So, but at any rate, so, so it, it, and 
and, and seeing the negatives and, and having that reinforced in front of me, it also forced me to, I mean, because I'm, cr- I'm crazy reflective, self-reflective, you know I mean? I'm, it, it's to a point, it's almost borderline meditative, but fishing allows that. Yes. You know? uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's how, how can I keep myself growing and being better and not become that or not my, allow myself to become that. Right. And sometimes running into those types of people, you know, if you're being completely honest with yourself, you might actually say, oh, God, you know what? I do that sometimes. And right. if you're Check yourself. that kind of person, you, you're, you make a mental note and you're like, I got to work on that. Right. And you do, hopefully, mm-hmm. and change it. But yeah, I know. It, it, I, it I hear just you. Helps, it helps with the cognizance of, quick, the, of, your, of your person, you yeah. know, and where you're at. Quick totally. question, and you don't have to be super accurate, but uh, how old are you at this point in time? Uh, old enough to have to do math to figure it out. Seventy. I was born in seventy four. So uh, what does that make? That makes me forty six. Okay, good. I, again, I'm not good with numbers, bro. That's wait. You're yeah. forty six right now. Right now. No, yes. we're talking. So in 2011, you were. Uh, so that was uh, ten years ago. Let's say. So you were in your mid thirties, thirty five. That's what I'm saying. When this story, well, I haven't about... turned forty yet. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Okay. No, yeah. okay yeah. Oh yeah. I would probably be about thirty seconds. Yeah, about thirty seconds. Okay. Yeah. I came out. And I came out. And uh, and we'll get back. We'll 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 have to touch on this because I came out the week of Easter week, and I I arrived on a Wednesday, and at the end of that week was Easter, and what really allowed me to get my foothold happened in an exchange at the dinner table on Easter. And the the other thing the guy didn't tell you when he brought you out is that the, that the town wanted you to dress up like the Easter bunny and hide the Easter eggs oh, for I the did town that, kids. I, I did that for the dance studio I danced for way back. You were a dancer as well. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. And I grew up, yeah. So, we I mean, got to go, circle so we, back to that at some point. Well, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I, oh, I, I grew up, my dad was a tech director for a Jesuit preparatory school uh, all through my uh, grade school years uh, for plays. Okay. So I grew up around theater. So oh. I... So I, I know, yeah, the theater. When I was in high school, I went to the same high school. He wasn't tech directing, but I wound up. Be, I, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember lines. You know, you, you don't want me on stage because, like, I'll go. I'll go. I mean, I'll forget the lines and I'll just start making them up, and it'll throw everybody off. But I could learn to dance, which is fine if you're doing Shakespeare, by the way. Yeah. Well, I guess. I don't know. I never did Shakespeare. Just there was kidding. no dancing in Shakespeare. Ah, <laughs> I, so I, I can't do for, theater. Can't do theater. No. Like, I don't mind. I, love, I enjoy acting on screen, but I did one play and I forgot lines and it's the most panicked, horrible feeling. You know. I, I was in Guys and Dolls in ninth grade. And uh, I mean, I, I fared pretty well. I was one of the leads, um, but yeah, there is that like. Oh my god! It's 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 pressure, man. Like it's int- and that's why you see some of these great Hollywood actors going and doing Broadway for a while. Every it's... every time you hear you hear an interview with them, you know, like I saw Brian Cranston and Tony Goldwyn from Block Island here in uh, Network uh, a couple years ago. An amazing production, but you know, here's these two great actors at the top of the game, and they go back to the well because it's like. You know that's the real deal. Acting like mm-hmm. you, there's no safety net. You right. you mess up, oh, you man. mess up. You know? And I was it was doing it. One of my daughter's friends it was his high school senior project. So it's just me and a bunch of high schoolers. We had to wait till the restraining orders were lifted, and then I right. I went to the high school. <laughs> yeah, but I couldn't go over and rehearse with them. So I basically only got to rehearse twice. You know, these Oof. kids have been running through the play like every day for like six weeks and so but it was fun all right so so, anyway. so the way the way i got into dan- dancing was i played football for for six years four years in high school two in college interesting I segue was, i was able to move okay i was very able I, I was able to move and i they needed they needed guys for the dance scenes 
you know? So, because they would do a straight drama in the, in the fall and the school would do a full on musical production. So I, I got in with the, the initially started getting into dancing, how I got into dancing in ballets, uh, where I, in a couple, I mean, I was in a nutcracker and, uh, just, um, a walk on scene in, uh, La Fimale, or Giselle. And then I actually really got to dance in La Fimale Garde, which is a Scranton, a Scranton ballet theater thing or ballet company. But they needed guys, and I'm like, I can move. You, you have know? you already had a, an established vocabulary of motion, let's say. From yeah, but being playing football, football I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I could, I was, I, I could, uh, I could move. You what know, position? For a big what would you play? In, what um, position I was, in football? I, I was a center throughout high school. Um, my forte was long snapping, um, and then when I went to college. Um, they moved me. There was a wishbone set that we were running. So because I could get off the ball, they moved me from center to offensive tackle. And my freshman year, I won the long snapping job because I could get the ball back to the punter. And and I was accurate, and I never never missed it. Cool under pressure, I would assume, as well. Yeah, you just that's a, That's, a, again, a tough position to play. You're, yeah. Oh, long snapper? Oh, yeah, you can win or lose a game there. Totally, totally. <laughs> just you know, like, again, there's parallels to, to stage acting and theater there, but you, I, you, that's you, all you, you just, you, Yeah, you, you shut your mind off and you just do your thing and do it. You, you're, you're well rehearsed yep. and it's like you're human, so if you fuck up, you fuck up. <laughs> you know? yeah, if I didn't know your personality and you were chasing me down the field trying to tackle me, I would I would shit my pants. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, would, <laughs> I mean, I, would. I've well, already I, shit my pants a couple times during this. <laughs> interview so far so i and i sucked it i mean i i sucked at football because i wasn't mean it wasn't for lack of ability it's just i i had a hard time just looking at somebody and like crushing them and like long snapping you got kill shots and you just hear the pop when you drove through them and it's just like I, you know i feel so bad and then being an offensive lineman you know you get you pin somebody down on the back and you humiliate them it's just like i i just didn't have that desire to and that's why i wasn't i wasn't and great. I, I loved hitting, you know, but I never hit as hard as I could because I, I, I would feel bad if I hurt somebody. It's just, it's a mental, it's an inside mental thing. Yeah. I think that's called being a good person. Hank, yeah. You know, yeah. well, that's not, it's not to say that football players yeah, don't tell, bad yeah. people. Tell that to your coach. Um, you, know, <laughs> no. you know, I'm sure they're fine people, but you know. So you weren't big on the smack talk, right? You weren't like smack oh, talk. No, just go out, get yeah. your job done, get off the field. If anything, you were apologizing to the person you just tackled or whatever i'm like sorry i had to do yeah. that bro <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really uh sorry about that uh but i gotta go it's visiting hours are over so have a good stay at the hospital yeah <laughs> but as far as dressing as the easter bunny and santa claus um so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah oh, yeah, that, yeah let's get back to yeah. that so so i, got I didn't in, even know santa claus was in there right I, so i got into <laughs> dancing because because in high school i would i was also um i i in doing the theater and dancing for Hello Dolly and being in the polka scene, the, the polka dance off in Hello Dolly, I got in with the, the, the person who is running the ballet theater of a Scranton. And they, she said, do you want to be in, do you want to be in a ballet? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> so I, so He's it like, was, is it anything this, like football? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait till, wait till I tell you about cheerleading. <laughs> and that's, there's no hyperbole there. Okay. So, 
I was brought in just for a crossover scene. And it was the, it was the most, I, I told her I will never do this again unless I'm dancing because I was on stage literally for 30 seconds to like maybe two minutes dressed as like some night, like some like um, noble guy with like a hat with feathers in it and shit. And I said, no tights. I wouldn't wear tights. Oh. Okay. But so at any rate, she said, okay, the next we're doing, when it came time for the Nutcracker that they did a number of shows, and the thing was with that, with the, this was Giselle. The name of the ballet was Giselle. And so you're on stage for like two minutes, I mean, two, five minutes would be eternity. But then you sit around for four hours in the back doing absolutely nothing. So rehearsals were wow. just like torture. Hurry up okay. and wait. The one Hurry thing, up and wait. So, so then for the Nutcracker suite, there's the ballroom, there's the ballroom scene, you know, where that opens it up. So I got to dance in that. Then there, then they did another, this was going into my senior year. The last thing I danced in ballet wise was, uh, a, it was a comedy ballet called off the mall And this, the the funniest thing is like you know the maypole where people dance around. Oh yeah, yeah, with yeah the streamers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So get this mental image. I'm six three and a half. Okay, built like a football player because I, I lifted like a madman. And all the other girls dancing. There's only girls dancing around it, and they're all like fifth grade, sixth grade. Like I'm six three, and here's four and five foot, like four four and a half foot, five foot girls, and you got to bob and weave. Underneath the maple, so you don't take them out. <laughs> and I'm doing this on stage. <laughs> I, really, I really enjoyed the ballet with you. Um, I hope you have a nice day in the hospital. Yeah, but, sorry. But the, the thing with La Femme is that the grandmother in it is in drag. It's a dude. That's part of the funny part of it. So that there was a scene where you had to lift this cat up. So they recruited me to because you, you dance around with grandma in the air, and I was the one who had to lift grandma. <laughs> who is a guy? Who's a dude? Who's a, Who a dude? <laughs> wow. Wow. And then, so, so, and then as far as the cheerleading goes, I was also the first uh, male cheerleader at my high school. My cousin was in New Jersey, was the gymnastic champion, uh, gymnastics champion. I mean, he went to the Olympic training camp and stuff. So when he was in high school, he was he was cheerleading, like throwing the girls around, you know. So that's what I did. I threw, I I went out. I was like, wait a second, this would be cool. So I went and I was like, I want to cheerlead because we were having a, an, an introduction, like a, an open house for the school recruiting. And I was on bowling because I bowled, you know, and cheerleading. Nobody was at the cheerleading booth. So I'm sitting at the cheerleading booth. And I'm like, people are coming by. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm the cheerleader at the school, this and that. And this lady starts grilling me on cheerleading. And she goes, I'm the cheerleading co- coordinator for it. I'm the cheerleading coach. And oh. I've never seen you before. Do you really want to cheerlead? And I'm like, hell yeah. So then I learned to throw the girls around. So how long was the lapse between when you stopped playing football and became a cheerleader? Was there a oh, gap no, Oh, there? no, I played football to college. So I was still a football player. And a cheerleader? Well, for basketball. Okay, so yeah, because that would have been difficult. So, like, what do you do? Like, at halftime, you change in your cheerleading outfit and then you. Oh, do perfect cheer, bro. Perfect cheer. The man. perfect yeah. cheer. Yeah. I didn't do the rah rah stuff. I said, I'm not doing the rah rah stuff. You right. know, the hand shit and that. No, no. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Right. I'll throw the girls around. It'll be really cool. Well, yeah. fun. You forget, like, who's the cheerleader with the shoulder pads on? You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> all geared up. So, so then. Yeah, so so from there, then 
um, in college, when I, I played two years in college, I wound up breaking my hand on the boardwalk, which shut me down for double sessions. I'm like, I'm done playing football. How'd you break your hand on the boardwalk? Um, a punching game. You know the games that the bags come up, you know, and you put money in and you hit it and you see how high a score you can get? Oh, yeah. So I was two points away from the high score. Then this guy And comes you went up. for it. Well, no, no. <laughs> then this guy comes up who is like twice my size, who is like a legitimate D1 football player. He beats the score by one point, and I said, I can do this. So the first time I hit it, I hit it clean. Second time I hit it, I felt a pop in my hand. So I hit the son of a bitch again. Oh. <laughs> and what I did is I got a boxer fracture, my fifth metacarpal. So I cracked my fifth metacarpal, and I spent a week. That was the first night on vacation. But then about three days later, I hit the son of a bitch again. I was surf casting with my hand broken. When I got home, they had to put a pin in it. And because I had a piece of metal hanging out of my hand with a, a soft cast on it, you weren't allowed to play by NCAA rules if you got metal hanging out of your body. So I was like, okay, I'm done with football. Good rule. Wow. So, but I went to King's College and I was, I, I, and now in college, guys aren't as self conscious. So I was able to get other guys to come out. So I, so there was for three years in college, I was, uh, I was a cheerleader for basketball. Wow. Yeah. And I, I threw girls around. It was, it was fun. You know, you do this thing called the basket toss and you launch them about 20 feet in the air and you got to catch them. I never let a girl hit the ground. That was my, that was my thing with, uh, with, with, with that. So that's, that, they probably appreciated that. I'm sure. I wish I that could say know. the same. <laughs> oh dude, I got kicked in places. <laughs> it was, it was more, it was more physically demanding when you're learning to do the builds and stuff. I mean, I've seen some of like the recent, like in cheerleading these days, is an insane thing like the competitions on oh, and they, I they're like on though. ESPN and all that and oh, yeah. they're like doing some severely acrobatic shit yeah you know? that's what I would do so I would I would like hold a girl I like you call it a chair and yeah. so now I'm, I'm I'm a rather virulent male and I was doing things in public that guy that are condoned that if I were to do anywhere else you get thrown in right. jail for or you'd have to give her twenty five dollars yeah so. So it was, it was pretty cool, and you, and you get to see some. You have a great perspective from the ground looking up. If you get, <laughs> I, yeah, I bet. I I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not as dumb as I look sometimes. Um, so, <laughs> so at, at any rate, going on from there, yeah, with the uh, with the with the dancing and stuff. I mean, I, we got onto this tangent. I've done. So tangents are good. You, you had you had just broken away from the uh, from the name that rhymes with uh, grave. Um, yeah, right. So <laughs> that guy out here to get you back on the block yeah. island. Now, so now you're here. You're here brought out to island. do marketing. Yeah, to yeah uh, the well, Facebook well, and, thing. and 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 mate. But so, and it's Easter. Okay, so. While I won't say in, in certain situations, I won't say names where I would, well, we can move forward here. Well, I will say that where I got my foothold on the island and this and it didn't really come to fruition until later on in my first fallout here. But the, I would not be sitting here talking to you right now in this capacity if it wasn't for the Van Lens. Okay. Derek, Derek Deanna, yeah. I will gladly say their names and primarily Holden. Okay. So we're sitting down to, to, to Easter dinner, and I've only been on an island for four days. And I was prefaced before we sat down to dinner, okay, that there's going to be a young man here. He's here at that time, I think it was like nine or 10, and he has special needs. He's autistic, okay? okay. So you got to be careful how you address him, because if you talk to him the wrong way or you don't understand, you don't know, he will go ballistic. And 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 he will he will have a uh, uh, an autistic 
episode. Issue, episode. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. Yep. I'm like, okay, that's my, cool. My mom worked with autistic kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. In, the, in, the, in, the, in the studio, I I had, there was people, when I was in the portrait studio, there were people who had special needs kids and they brought them to me. Because, my, well, the other thing I should tell you too is that my mom for 30 years worked as the office manager for child psychologists. So she has the DSM-5 memorized left to right. And so I grew up and was groomed with the wonders of modern psychology. So I understood that explains that a lot, Hank. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I can show you the pages where they talk about me in the DSM. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and believe it or not, I think I might even be on the spectrum. I don't know. <laughs> My parents never told me that, but I was tested I think, a lot. <laughs> I think I think you are the spectrum. Yeah, something. Yeah, you're the whole spectrum, man, man. I love colors, bro. All the colors, dude. All the you're like the Crayola box of 64. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's time to sit down for dinner. Okay. And every seat was taken at the table except to, and the young man's name's Holden. Okay. Okay. And so Holden's at the table and he's watching his little DVD player. And I sit down and people are talking amongst themselves. I don't know anybody. And so I don't know anybody. Okay. And, and so I sit down and I look and I'm like, I lean over his shoulder and I look and I'm like, that's probably the coolest thing I've ever seen. What is that you're watching? I've never seen that show before. And then the, the, especially the person that brought me out was slack jawed. It's like, nobody does that. You don't break his attention when he's into his show. So at any rate, then he gives me a brief and he's like, okay, Hank, I want to watch my show. I'm like, cool, dude. Good talking with you. And so then, so then dinner went on. What had happened was then because the boat didn't come out, we're getting into, it is April. Uh, later on throughout the course of dinner, Derek's like, I need somebody to do landscaping. So can you work for me? I'm like, yeah, one of the number one things that's given me job security in my life is being able to pick things up and put them down. Nice. Yeah, like mm-hmm. cheerleaders. <laughs> there you go, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, had, I had value yep. <laughs> because I certainly can't tumble. So, you know, <laughs> no, I'm not flipping. Um, so at any rate, so I wound up. So the first job I had on island was last year, but I said to Derek, I'm like, the boat could come anytime. And I'm like, so I'm, I'm cool coming in, but I, I think around the end of June, beginning of July, he's like, I need you primarily up until Ma- Memorial Day. I'm like, cool. So show me the way, brother. Had me driving the trucks. I got to learn how to run a backhoe and stuff. So I'm like, July comes. So, so from then on, I was just surf casting like a madman. Fishing. I had the kayaks I would go out with and stuff. And then, so then comes probably July. And middle of June, tend to middle of June, beginning of July, I'm like, okay, the, the boat can come anytime, and there was no boat. Uh, so, but I'm, so I'm standing by. The so boat now, never came. No, but I was. But now the other thing is on this property, they were building a pergola, and so I got in really, really tight with the guys who are doing the housekeeping and cooking for the guy who brought me out's wife. Yeah. And so I, so I wound up get, getting, taking, like helping out in capacities there, but this pergola needed to be built. Derek subsidized and helped out. I mean, lended mo- like crazy resources to this that he never got paid for. Okay. Yeah. So I spent Nobody a good did. portion of time helping <laughs> to build, yeah, helping to build this pergola. And what happened was all of a sudden, so I'm, the, the room actually was more of a hovel that I was given to live in had more bugs in it than there was outside. So once the pergola was built, like in the middle of July, 
I didn't have any work because I was waiting for the boat. The room was awful. So what I would do is I'd sleep outside under the pergola, which had no roof. So as long as it didn't, if it wasn't raining, it was cool. And you put a fan on your head because mosquitoes are weak flyers. So I would sleep out. I slept outside that whole summer. Man-made breeze. Yeah. And with a fan on my head, with a fan on my head to blow the mosquitoes away. And I love, I was loving life. I'm on Block Island. And I oh, and the other thing is, I never was ever to Block Island when I came out here. I packed my life up sight unseen and said, I'm all in. <laughs> and I just drove out here one rainy night. It was raining like a son of a gun. I don't even remember most of the route I took, and I showed up at the boat. They did buy my, t- my uh, the ferry ticket out. It went one way. Part and, of the trap. Yeah. Well, yeah. well you know, and, you know, again... If, Again, if, it, if that didn't happen, then I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. So, you know, you take leaps of faith and you say, screw it, we only go around once. I mean, you just strike me as the kind of guy that just goes all in no matter what you're doing. Correct me if uh, I'm wrong. Yeah, with, with uh, I, I, leave, I try to give myself a backup. You know, I mean, like, sure. like it's not willy nigg, it's not crazy. No, just... I'm not saying it's not thought out. I'm right. just saying when you, you seem to oh, be you the kind 110%. of person. Yeah, that's all yeah. I oh, mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all the way. Yeah, yeah. all the way. Commit or quit. That's yeah, it. Yeah, do it right or don't. I mean, go big or go home. As yeah, I, I mean, we're going to die someday. So why not freaking live? Yep. You know, so then coming through this, it's like it's clear that the boat's not coming. Maybe we wound up being in Hawk and didn't have the money to get it out. So from there, I, wore, I, I went back onto the road crew in the fall. Then the, um, the bed and breakfast that brought me out had to close down. But in the meantime, I was now turned out that this guy was going up to upstate New York, taking trips. Um, he did a bunch of nasty stuff, but he started cheating on his wife. I drew the line there and he's sending me pictures. And I'm like, nah, nah, I did that. I got, I got morals, ethics, and I can do the right thing. So I, I took, I took his, I took his wife's back and said, this is shit. And, and it was on the outcome. You so. got moral, so you fucked his wife. No, I'm a one woman sort of man, dude. I'm one woman sort of man. No, I don't play that game. No, I, I, just, I, I do the right thing, and you know, no, and no. Well, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna screw anybody over on my watch, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna take people's back when they don't when they don't do anything to deserve a certain treatment, and they get treated a certain way. I got your back. It's a hard you know, thing to I'm do. Gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take is. care of you. Yep. Okay? Yeah. And so I was also in with the other guys there. So what we did is we wrote we we wrote a couple blues songs, but the one was about this summer of purgatory because <laughs> we, because because I mean there, I mean I could go I can go I can spend hours telling you some of the stories. But so coming into the fall, I had an opportunity to possibly go down and relocate to Florida to pursue fishing stuff and the media and the, the marketing. So. Told Derek, you know, I'll, I'm going to work on the crew about November, right before Thanksgiving. I go down to Florida. That scene didn't set up right. So I went back. I came. My parents picked me up from the airport, went to Thanksgiving. I came back out to the island. I said, Derek, I'm staying. And he's like, well, thanks for telling me. He's like, OK, I guess I'll keep you on the crew. At that point in time, they let me move into the pony barn. And so part of the reason they kept me is because one of their good friends with um, it was with Justin Draper, I believe. Her, the lady was Justin Draper's um, girlfriend, and she had a, dog, a German shepherd named Bina. And she was going someplace to the Caribbean with Justin when he was still alive. And I, ba- I dog sat Bina while they were gone all winter long. So I got to stay in the pony barn on his property and then also do the landscaping through the winter. 
So now, uh, now the th- one of the things, the critical aspects of my existence out here is that in the fall, I got in with Club Soda. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so, so then I started hanging out there. And then um, my friend, uh, who, a, a dear friend, also came out to say, later on in the summer, but worked with me, Julio Mendoza, who owns um, Calaveras. Yep. So I got thick as thieves with that bugger. I mean, he, 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 became, he, he was my boy. So he and I wound up sharing the pony barn for a bit. And then he went to, he went traveling for the winter back down to Mexico. And so I stayed through there. Then, then he, he came, he wound up coming back to the crew for a bit before he opened Calaveras. But in the spring, it's coming up. We all worked all through the winter in the spring. It's coming up and I'm still living in the pony barn. Okay. And so at Soda, I was running food and I lived to play foosball. Okay, so all winter long going through there. And so coming out of that, um, getting into the coming around to the spring and stuff, it was clear that I was not like really landscaper material. You know, I, I didn't know all the techniques. Julio knew them inside and out. And so at one point, Derek and Deanna approached me and they said, you know, in order to keep the housing that's really designed for to Holden's person. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? He, she, they're like, well, Holden needs a uh, a social worker. And, and this is their just about this is their son who is autistic correct. that you connected had the connection with. And, and throughout the course of the relationship as well as as I were, I mean, I'd see Holden, hey, what's going on? He give me a high five and okay. this and that, and and had a very good rapport with him. Gotcha. I was able to communicate with him, and it's like, okay, Hank. So in order to keep this, Holden needs a person, and Holden's previous person who he was without a person for him. And I'll explain what the person means. It, um, she wound up getting pregnant. She's a teacher out here. And so Holden lost his person to a baby. And so they're like, I think the next person should be a guy. And I'm pretty sure I wasn't going to get pregnant. So and <laughs> have you ever tried? <laughs> no, no, not about to. After this story, I would never be surprised by anything. Any, yeah. yeah. I think Hank could probably, if anyone could yeah. pull it off, it would probably be Hank. You know, my man boobs, man. They'd have something to drink. <laughs> there you go. Back to the man boobs. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought it back to the man boobs because we just circled back to the beginning of the conversation. And for right now, this is going to be the end of part one of our conversation. But don't go anywhere because we're going to uh, pick it right back up. Sure. But just for our listeners out there, once again, we're talking to Hank Hewitt, uh, captain of the Harley for BI Fishworks. And uh, Hank, we're going to have you back to talk about part two. So uh, we want to pick up with uh, where you become Holden's uh, person. Yeah. person. Uh-huh. And, and, right. that's, and that's probably one of the most, uh, probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. And, and it forced a growth out of me that that's fun to talk about. Cool. Well, that's a cliffhanger then, guys. So tune in for uh, part two of Hank's episode coming up very soon. Two Guys on Block Island is recorded live at Captain Nick's Rock and Roll Bar. Music courtesy of the Booze Beggars. All segments produced by Rich Trethaway and Mark Scortino. See you next time, Cap. <laughs> <laughs>